Welcome to Who the F Did That? My name is Trevor McCandless. I'm the McCandless part of McCandless and Campbell. And I'm here with Nancy Campbell. Pleased to be here. Yeah. I'm going to get chatting. And we're going to talk about our, what we do as designers and art directors. Maybe it would be good to talk about how we met. Good idea. Yeah. I had worked in a number of magazines, some women's magazines, and, um, and actually had come to these couple of trade magazines that people haven't necessarily heard of, Earnshaw's and Footwear Plus, and I was having a grand time because of creative freedom, so that's a, it's a real bonus to have creative freedom doing a magazine, and I met you, I was interviewing for Associate Art Director. Yes. And I'm, you came in with your portfolio, and it was this big, wild portfolio, just like kind of out-of-control design, very David Carson inspired, you know, and I'm totally into data and, and constructivist type. So I saw the portfolio and I really didn't, I was so excited by the work and you were excited by the work and which really meant a lot. I think that one thing we always notice in, in, in meeting with people is there needs to be a certain amount of enthusiasm in the work and you had it. You were just, you were just, you know, really excited about what you, what you were showing me. I was enjoying it. And I really didn't even notice your resume that much because re- really where you went to school didn't make that much of a difference. Um, and I was wanted to hire you. Um, I knew that you were the top candidate at that moment, really within a few minutes that you walked in. And um, so the editors were a little nervous to hire you because the work was a little wild. <clears throat> so we had to have you come in, remember? And you came in yeah, and you and did do a, a test. You yeah. did a test. Which is uh, terrible. Well, the test it was, was it was a little bizarre. Yeah. So then I said, I know he can do this job. I know he can definitely do something. And then you came in and worked on premises and they found out that you're a reasonable person. <laughs> And you did some cool design. I think that your work was just, we're perfect. Our styles kind of blend very well together. So the collaboration really from that day on, for me, was very good because I feel like the work that I do was enhanced and and all the input you've given me about how to treat things is helpful. And yeah. hopefully I'm helpful yeah, to you well, as well. We, we do click creatively very easily and naturally. Um, and I was ex- very excited about that work because I had been doing um, poster design at a nonprofit for a number, a couple years, right? You know, getting out of um, a fine art school. And I was very interested to get into magazines because I had been studying the, the, the past few years before developing that portfolio or kind of in order to develop that portfolio at the School of Visual Arts. Because when I first got my poster design job, I didn't really know how to be a designer, but I knew about art and, you know, I was painting and drawing and so stuff like that. So what was the nonprofit? I- the New York Public Interest Research Group, right. founded by Ralph Nader. And we didn't have a budget, so I was always using typography. And somewhere along the line, I was able to get a lot of wood type fonts to make posters with. Since I didn't have a budget for photography or anything, and I was just kind of like my own one-man band, um, I got proficient in typography because that was really the only thing I had to do. And I took Ed Bangat's class at SVA and someone at the end of the class said, what 
where should we be aiming, you know, if we're interested in typography? And he said, go into magazines because you can do expressive things in type in magazines. So that's what, you know, I was kind of interested in magazines before that, but I didn't really know where I was going to, you know, try to land. So I read, uh, I was reading this, like, I guess in the beginning of the Blue Note album covers book, the guy who had designed all those things said, when I was in LA trying to get jobs, I tried to make the biggest portfolio I could possibly make so that when I go in, you put it on the guy's desk and it's like, so that was my philosophy. I was like, I'm going to try to make the biggest portfolio I can possibly make. And I made um, this portfolio by hand and I bound it and I stitched the side and did all the binding myself. And that was ultimately the portfolio that I was you know, showing yeah. at that time. And you had just made the portfolio. I had just right? made it. Yeah. I had shown it to one other person. So the interesting thing was lucky me in a way, because the one other person that you showed it to. Right after we, I took we, this we job, they called was, me. Yeah. They, basically that portfolio landed you two jobs in one day or two days. Po- yeah, possibly. Well, cause I already took this job, so I couldn't, you know, <laughs> yeah, but he, so but the was, other person was, was a, like calling me pre- back. It was a pretty well-known design studio. So in the yeah. end, these two small trade magazines won out over the design studio because you had accepted the job already. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, and I wasn't going to go back on it. Yeah, so, but the thing that I found, I mean, I worked at various magazines. Um, I was also a student at the School of Visual Arts, and when I was um, a junior, my teacher was Bia Fiedler, who was a legendary art director, and um, she was really inspiring. The minute I showed up in magazine design class, I knew it. I knew this was for me. I'd taken a lot of, I was doing, you know, graphic design, doing advertising, all different things, but there was something about the storytelling aspect of it, the pacing, the, the creative freedom, the being able to think about something and come up with... Um, visual solutions that are yeah I, and I, I also kind of love not having a client too that's a kind of fun although your edit editor's your client in, in a, a sense but the creative process is i think different but you get to know each other so well i mean yeah. your editor becomes like a marriage it's a partnership you, more. you start thinking yeah. alike and that's all good when you have a good editor as we do we have two excellent editors mm. um but so i showed up in her class loved loved it and she thought i was very good at magazine design and um, unfortunately, she got sick that semester and had to take a leave of absence. And, and uh, it's, sadly, she did die at a young age. Um, and then the uh, Paula Greif came in, who was art director of Mademoiselle magazine. And she finished up the semester. And that summer, because I was freelancing my way through school, I was working at different studios and doing all kinds of things. So I sent Paula... Um, my portfolio at Mademoiselle magazine and she called me in and she said would you like to come work here and I was so excited that I said of course of course I'm going to come work here so I got a great opportunity Paula would take one student per year Um, this is pre-internship and luckily it was actually a paid job which enabled me to move into the city I designed front of book pages and two features an issue what a great opportunity i'm incredibly thankful so i finished off my schooling by taking nine classes which i thought was i wanted to get the degree very important 
And then I got into women's magazines. I worked at YM, which was a kind of like 17. I worked at McCall's when it was bought by the New York Times, and it was redesigned by Roger Black. And I worked at Harper's Bazaar. Um, and I also I took some time off to have my children and kind of dialed back my career for about nine years, actually, which is that's a nice thing about this career with for women. If you want to dial it back and start doing catalogs and that kind of thing, you can actually do that. I had a nice freelance life going for several, you know, for nine years, actually. And when I came back and I took this job and got to work with you, I think really at this point in my life, I feel like I'm creating the best work. Working as a team is incredibly helpful. For the people that are listening, I would say that if you guys can find someone to team up with who shares your sensibility, it enables you to take amazing risks that you would not normally do because sure. you're sometimes you just do these crazy things and sometimes we do things that we don't we'll go out too far and say, okay, that's it. We it's not it's a little too far. And the, be able, being able to trust someone to tell you or to say, okay, that's not gonna work enables you to do things that are um innovative and different and yeah or, or you do something that you're not sure if it's good because you just don't really know when you first do something and then they're like right. oh that's really good and you're like oh okay i'll go in that direction um yeah well, maybe that direction's right but it just needs a little bit it of needs tweaking. a little bit of tweaking yeah well and it's so. very difficult to find someone that you work with really easily that's not um that's not that easy which i think we're very lucky about yeah, that you know true. that's it's not really something you can just make happen. It sort of has to happen naturally. And then you have to, I think you have to then do the work. And that's one of the things uh, with Nancy and I, is we do, um, we try to take our work seriously. We try not to take ourselves seriously, but we try to, you know, really, we throw out many things that we create because we're trying to find something that's the best thing that we can right. find. I oftentimes feel like I have to kind of ring myself out before I can um, feel satisfied that something has, you know, uh, that I can be sure that something is good. You're right. You're right, Trevor, because we're, we're very different that way. In fact, I do most of the hand lettering, almost all of it. And I'm very much like, just throw it down. I've got to do it fast. It's got to just like, bam. Oftentimes I'll do it maybe, you know, five times, sometimes 10 times. And the first time is the best because the spirit's there, the energy's there. Yeah, it's like like, and, like an expressionist painter. Yeah. Like someone who has a very, like a painter, your type when it's hand done is often with a brush and it feels like um, a painter who's just like going with that moment a la prima and just not going back and trying to fix it because right. that ruins the energy. It, My, does, it does completely ruin the energy. I, you cannot try to think about it too much. Um, in fact, this last, I think it was this summer, I took a, a type director's club who was doing something with Gemma O'Brien. There was a one-day seminar, so I took that because Gemma does beautiful um, typography. Of course, very different than mine, but I thought I could learn some things from her. And the thing that we do share, in fact, is that she works very quickly. And it's not, if you just, if you hesitate, it feels forced and it doesn't, she's, watching her work was really beautiful, just very quick hand movements and... So it takes a while to get to that point where you can feel confident enough to do that. I think part of it is, and we always say this to our students, just start doing, like take some paper and start writing and see, and maybe it's not you. If you're doing a project that you need handwriting, maybe it's not your handwriting. 
Maybe it's someone in your office. What's really helpful is feeling the freedom and the freshness of that. So what, what Trevor does is Trevor does um, a lot of the custom typography, and he, he starts the custom typography, and then we, we sit and look at it on the screen, and then we tweak it out. We kind of work on well, it together. Well, my way of thinking is a little bit more like building, like building things up, taking things apart, rebuilding them. Um, and I learned in, in terms of typography and expressive typography, I learned a lot of that, the basics of that from Ed Benguet. And what, even when I was like trying to be a painter before I got into doing graphic design, my process was very much like perceiving something, building something up, taking something apart. And I like that dialectic process. I find that to be, I don't know, I guess that's just kind of more the way that my brain thinks and I get expressivity out of that process. Mm. I think that, uh, so I also took Ed's class. Um, Trevin had raved about him and I, I found him to be pure genius and he was amazing. Because I've been working with type for so many years, but I thought, why not just go and get like the real master of typography while he's still teaching at the School of Visual Arts. So... I was lucky to get him one of his last years. He was teaching a night class, and uh, to watch Ed do things by hand was pretty phenomenal. Well, He's no longer teaching at SVA. We, we ran into him at a... At a yeah, sad, yeah, sadly he's not. I mean, Because um, he was inspiring. If anyone who's listening to this is not familiar with Ed's work, um, it's worth looking him up. Well, it's great because he shows you... Um, one of the things that we say to our students is that type is not... This is something that I always say, it's not typing type into the computer and then it goes down on a page. Type has to be forms that you're working with. And I think that's one thing that, that Ed really showed that you're working with forms, you can pull them apart, they have a certain logic, they have a certain way of coming together. And, and I think that what happens when students are first working with typography is they're very scared um, and they don't know how to approach approach things that well um, and that's one of the things that I think we try to teach yes. in our typography class we're talking about display type by the way yeah not, display type not, what did Ed say about body copy type the, who cares about body copy type it's too boring <laughs> I'm paraphrasing Ed's, because of Ed's, but he said Ed's something the, like that master of the display yeah, type yeah. so um, yeah and then we both took uh, classes with Eileen Strisver also at the School of Visual Arts to perfect body copy type which is extremely important it's one of those things that if you if it's done well, you don't notice it. And if it's done poorly, you really notice it. <laughs> Having rivers in your type and all that. We're trying to express is we both teach. Uh, we teach two classes at um, Kane University in New Jersey. And uh, we are teaching magazine design and expressive typography, which is type three. Perfect classes for us. And um, so the, the students are not... The body copy is... We're struggling with it a little bit, so we're, you just give a little demo on how to do H and Js and hyphenations and yeah, justifications. Yeah, which I'm sure people want to hear all about. I know we're not going to get into that. It's a little boring, but it's something to definitely perfect if you're a designer. Um, but I think in terms of, I'm thinking about what inspires us. I mean, one thing that I know. Right here, I'm a, one okay. thing. Well, one thing that I'm just talking about. What do you draw inspiration from, Nancy? I'm, I Tell love, me now. Okay. What I draw inspiration from is I love um, being, you know, just like most artists, most visual artists, I love being visually stimulated. We, we definitely see a lot of movies, but even just yesterday we went to a place called Printed Matter. It's um, in New York on 11th Avenue and 
I don't know. It's almost impossible to get to. It's really, it's really way over on the west side, but so worth the trip. I mean, you walk into this place and they have, I think, did it say 1,500 titles? A lot of obscure titles. 1,500 titles, titles yeah, obscure, things. One of, you know, sometimes one of a kind. We bought a Mixed bunch Mixed materials of, in publications, basically. Like, yeah, these are labors of love that are there and that are inventive and fun. These are magazines and books that are put together by designers, writers, I guess. And just, it's really, it just gets your mind going to look at things that are new and fresh. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, very, it's a very DIY aesthetic there, yeah. I think. Which is which, which is, is interesting kind of, to see. I think we we definitely are the DIY aesthetic in terms of if we sh- if we're going to do something, we always do it. For example, carving into wood. I guess you could do yeah, it in Photoshop. So. We would never, but we actually carve into wood, and then we and then we photograph it. So we'll do if we're shooting some type that's on a piece of paper. If we're doing type on a piece of paper, we'll print it out put it on the paper, cut it out, shoot it that way. We do a lot of... Yeah, a lot of DIY stuff. Um, I think some art directors have the, the opportunity and the pleasure of hiring a lot of different collaborators to work on their designs. And I think we tend to be a little bit more in-house, on the in-house side. Not that we wouldn't hire someone if the, the opportunity or the need arose, but we tend to get in there and tinker with things. And I think what you're referring to, Nancy, is this piece that we just did using pyrography. So if anybody doesn't know what pyrography is, it's the process of you take a, there's a stylus that you get and it heats up to a very high temperature and then you can burn into wood and it makes a very characteristic mark. Mm. Um, So it burns into the wood and we did a piece that was a big piece of wood and we just burned right into that. It was um, reclaimed wood. Of course, we wanted the reclaimed wood so it would have character. I I, I think that some designers perfect a certain thing. I think one of the things that we like to do in sort of our, we both kind of have our little pet things that we like to do, you know, maybe over and over again, but one thing that we have the opportunity to do is to dabble in many different types of design, um, especially um, things with found objects. And the magazines that we work for, we have a lot of creative freedom, so we can have the opportunity to do that. We're not restricted to, you have to use these four fonts on every mm-hmm. single page. I think that it keeps things very fresh and interesting. Yeah, of course, the front of the front of the magazine is pretty yeah, formatted as yeah, it should right, be. Right. It's facing ads, and we keep it nice and clean. But it, when it comes to when it comes to the the well, we do fashion uh, stories for each. We do Earnshaw's magazine, which is a children's fashion magazine that goes to the trade, and we also do Footwear Plus, which is a obviously all about footwear. Also going to that trade. So we shoot one fashion story a month, sometimes two, but mostly Yeah, mostly one. one a month for each magazine. And then what we usually do is we do the shoot. We hire amazing photographers who are just yes. fantastically talented. That's where we do a lot of assigning. Yeah. And that's, I think we're very lucky to work with these people and we give them the freedom that we've been afforded. So they are happy to work for us in that as long as they show the product, they can just do something they want to. Do you want to touch shoot. on your style of art direction when it comes to photo shoots? What your yes. recommendation would be I, to this is at least for editorial photo shoots. Now a catalog might be different, but but I think for editorial, my style well of art direction is really creating a supportive, creative environment 
for the photographer to create their best work. And it's not second guessing. I'm just making sure that what we need to cover is covered. Occasionally we'll say we don't see the, the we'll, we'll let them, you know, they'll shoot, shoot away. And then just take a quick look and make sure that our needs are being met in terms of seeing the product. But other than that, it's really making it the photographer and we truly do appreciate their work. So making them feel appreciated. I always used to make a joke that I'm just coming along to order the pizza, right? Order the lunch. <laughs> yeah. But, so yeah. now we've kind of upgraded. I think we do sushi more now. But uh, Yeah, well, yeah, sometimes. But uh, no, it's really, that's an important thing. I think with any creative endeavor, I, I always say it's kind of like, if you're painting a painting and you're feeling inspired, but someone's standing behind you and saying, I really like the painting, but do you think you can move that pair to the upper left instead of the bottom right? It's just going to throw you completely off. So in order to get the best work, and this is why a lot of photographers do editorial work, of course, to be able to express themselves mm. and get their vision out there. So once the shoot is done, we get it, we edit it, we figure out what that opening photo is, and then we start working against the opening photo. And for sometimes our, we for try, our expressive openings, and you know, yeah. oftentimes what we do is we do a lot of the work on weekends, frankly, because we don't like the distraction of the, the staff around and... We like to be free and play the music and just kind of, you know, have a mm. have a more free environment to be able to, um, and also no interruptions. So it's hard to get that flow going when you're interrupted often, or we'll do it after hours. And well, yeah, and it takes a lot of extra time if you want to always continue to push to find some new area that you can go into or surprise yourself. I think that when when you see any piece of art or music that feels fresh. There's the sense that the person who's made it was very interested in finding the solution to something and they were surprising themselves. Um, and I think that that's something that we always strive for. Yeah. Um, I always call it a mystery feeling. Like if I see something that someone else has done or if I, I try to aspire to that myself, like you see a little corner of something and you go, oh, I want to go down that little road. And if you can't find that feeling within yourself, it's almost impossible to go down that road, really. You have to fall in love a little bit with your idea and then pursue it and try to um, have it open up into something and sort of channel something. Sure. And that's why you end up working nights and weekends sometimes. Yes. <laughs> and know. so the thing is, sometimes uh, I think the idea... But it's of, worth it. Totally the idea it. of the, the freedom is amazing, but it can also be very scary because anything is possible. So you have to allow yourself to make mistakes and you have to allow yourself to say, you know, that's not okay. It does, it's not the perfect, the good solution for this. Let's throw out that idea. And that's okay because that's an important part of the process. I think yeah. that the, the thing that... Most people would consider our limitations, which is basically having a very, very small budgets, has yeah. actually been a blessing in disguise because we do all of our own typography. We do um, illustration. We do, you know, different, yeah. not so much. We did it um, in 2008 when everything kind of crashed. We lost budgets and we started doing illustration, photography. Trevor actually learned to shoot. He went back to SVA, took night classes, and he does a lot of our photo shoots. So, um... Yeah, I went that through, I went through a period of shooting a lot of the fashion for our footwear magazine for a couple of years. I shot yeah. almost all the issues. Um, and Trevor's a fairly... Um, well, know, I found that it was um, kind of a way... Because I had studied painting so much, 
um, when I was in school and, you know, figure painting and abstract painting, I felt like I had something to say. Cause when you're shooting fashion stories, you're working with models and you're, it's at first it was very scary to do that because you don't really know how to work the equipment or get your lighting or, or whatever. But, um, I find that I had something to say about the presentation of a person in the pictorial form that I wasn't, uh, that I, I, I suppose, um, was related to how I felt about painting and drawing, hmm. I suppose. Yeah. And we both have, um, I, I painted for a while. I was doing some abstract expressionist painting, um, a number of years ago. Um, and I just always love, so painting winds up in our work as well. We both have a bit of fine art. Hmm. Well, Trevin much more. He has a degree in fine arts from Syracuse University. But, but an interesting really thing, and I want to point out, is that Trevin started as a journalism major in the Newhouse School at Syracuse. So he started on the editorial side and said to me that he didn't want to stick with that because he felt like he had to, like, it was like having a paper due all the time, right? Yeah. Well, my original goofy teenage dream was to be like an indie rock radio DJ, you know, <laughs> that was, but when I went to Newhouse, I realized that that's not what was going on there. And that that's, that's not, not the path to being an indie. And rock that's not actually DJ. a real job, which no, no one told me before, <laughs> but I, so then I was like, okay, what I'm really going to end up doing is being a writer. And I realized, and I was like, okay, I don't want to feel like I have a paper due every week, right. even though I enjoy writing. I like reading and, you know, I have a great appreciation for the written word. Um, I think a great writer, there's a great writer, I don't know who it is, said, many writers like to have written, but the <laughs> process itself is yes. not always that fun. Whereas I right. find that the process of doing photography or art direction or design is always fun. Every part of it is really right. fun, especially right. with magazines, because you have a project that lasts for about a month, generally, depending on what your cycle is. And I think that it's a very good rhythm. You know, we were talking before about, you know, how our budget's related to creating great things. And I think that sometimes having a, a short deadline and not a giant budget is the best scenario for creative work and inspiring work to occur. It's, I totally agree. Right. I totally agree. Limitations can really bring interesting solutions. Yeah. Cause if you can do anything, it's like, oh, I'm paralyzed by, you know, yeah, it's by, just, um, yeah, it is really, um, it's kind of funny that it goes that way. So I think that, um, having, so people are frustrated now, budgets are going, you know, they're going down, down, down. So if we can embrace this, <laughs> So, I, don't, I don't want to sound like Pollyanna, but well, if we can embrace this and say, okay, let's turn this kind of negative into a positive. Maybe we can start doing things on our own. Maybe we can look at this a little bit differently, you know? And, and, yeah. um, well, on the upside, what on the, um, how would you suggest that someone would promote their work if they're interested in getting into this field or how have we promoted ourselves? Wow. So um, well, I mean, we promoted ourselves certainly by we enter contests. So that's how, because both of our magazines are fairly under the radar, unless you're in those industries, you're not getting them. So we said, okay, in order to get the work out there, let's enter contests. And so we've had a lot of luck with contests. And as a result, we've actually gotten to do some amazing things. I mean, one of the most, one of the most amazing things, certainly, 
a fantastic surprise was in 2012. No, the 12, first time I spoke. Was it the first yeah. time I spoke? Oh, so we were contacted by the um, a professor at the Danish School of Media and Journalism in Copenhagen. And um, my the original email I got, I thought was just like a spam because it was like, come come do something. I'm like, okay, well, It seemed too good not. to be true. Didn't, I didn't even really read it, I think. And then what happened is he actually contacted, he sent another email a couple months later and said, I'm sorry, but you're not interested in coming to speak. And we, we got this amazing opportunity. It was like a couple months later, not a couple minutes later. No, it was a couple months later. It was a couple sorry. months later. A couple months later. Yeah. Later. yeah. So, um, so we got this amazing opportunity and I, I read the email. I'm like, this cannot be true. They want us to come speak and... Copenhagen and in Oslo and it's like all expenses paid by the government there because they're really into promoting the art and helping at that them. time they were yeah yes it was yeah. fantastic what a great opportunity we got to present and we had a number of other art directors that went with us and it was it was a great thing but we, that op- the reason I bring that up is that opportunity would not have existed if we didn't enter a contest because they found out about us by researching the contest yeah. mm-hmm. Getting and in touch saw our work in the in the annuals and that's how the professor knew of our work mm-hmm. because he's not subscribing to the magazines so True. um yeah so little things like that and then we did go back and we taught a master class um a couple of years later to the working art directors of um copenhagen right yeah. of denmark mm-hmm. yeah and that was a, some of them not every single person. not every single but there were about 20 in the class and they came in for a week and yeah. they got to do that. So these opportunities presented themselves from things like that and various speaking engagements. But I think we also just really want to share our work with people. I think that's part of what drives us is like yeah. your work is in a, it's in a magazine. So we want people to see it. So that's why we do that. And we'll enter various contests. And we also have an Instagram, which is um, we put all our work on the Instagram. And that's kind of fun getting some comments and comments from you know different places in the world i i think that's really interesting yeah instagram i think is good for artists for visual artists. yes we find that when we go on photo shoots like people are there shooting they're there they're doing their little instagram um story during the shoot right and what yeah um well i think that when you do something that you really love you want people to know about it i think that's you know, and you hopefully maybe they could be inspired by something that you've done or that you have been inspired by. Um, I think that the people that I've admired in the past that I've looked up to have had that mentality, Hmm. I think. So I think that we both, I was talking about this before, we're both interested in like the Dada constructivist movement, a greatly influenced my work early on Hmm. because when I started at Mademoiselle in the early 1980s um, it was that kind of rip paper uh, it was a very kind of loose and free design that I really enjoy and um, and then you were also attracted to that as well because you liked the yeah as as a teenager I didn't know what Dada was because when you're a teenager you're not really I wasn't going to like a magnet school for the arts I was going to like a regular school Um, and I started collecting punk rock records and new wave records and some of the album covers were so amazing like i remember there was one that was it's very famous image now called 
Unknown Pleasures by Joy Division, um, which was done by um, Peter Saville for Factory Records. And I didn't know any of that stuff. I didn't know what graphic design was, but I remember seeing that image and images from bands like Bauhaus and the Dead Kennedys and kind of going visually, that gives me a mystery feeling like this is from a planet that I don't know where this is. It's not happening in New Hampshire where I live, <laughs> but I want to know yeah. about this. And there was something about the aesthetic of it that was mysterious. And in some cases with magazines like Maximum Rock and Roll, which were around, it's still around, it started in 1982. It seemed like something that somebody who didn't know about graphic design really or art that much could get their mind around because you could see how it was created. Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny because we were looking at some images today and we were having a conversation about that. And when you look back before you really are a, a graphic designer and art director and you see what you were attracted to just as a kid, it's like the same, yes. the same stuff. Right. So I, I kind of, the, the, the point is, is that I kind of came to this, what you kind of see as Dadaism and as kind of like punk rock. Hmm. Well, that aesthetic went into punk rock. And yeah, I love, exactly. for example, when I saw the first Man Ray, Man Ray work, by Man Ray, I was just blown away. And I still am. But that was something that was just, it just stood out as being, wow, this is incredibly special. And so... Mm so many things about it. I looked, we were looking at it today. We're like, this is still unbelievably well, inspiring. And I think people like, I think there was a time when, you know, people were doing work that was very rough on the photocopier out of necessity. And now we have so many more tools to work with. But I think when people see work that feels rough, they respond to it and it's right. it has a, an, another level of specialness. We would love to have one of those old photocopiers. <laughs> know, right. We would love to. Yeah. I used to take type and put it on it and, yeah. and slide it and get all kinds of crazy effects and Yeah. Yes, but I think And now you can't really get that out of the I new copiers. No. Everything new is terrible. Right. Yeah, but you can't get it out of the new copiers. Yeah. But just in short I want to say that I'm very thankful to have a job. Uh, and also we do we didn't talk about our other uh, freelance work we do a number of other projects um, we just we were actually designing the Society of Publication Designer, Designers annual uh, yeah. uh, annual 54 right? it's extremely yeah is it, very no, exciting no is it 53 53 yeah, 53, 53. we're doing we're, you know, yeah. just finished that and then we are we did a job for Yankee Magazine for we critiqued it's, Home Depot's um magazine that they do yeah consulted on consulted their in-house magazine um, so we we do other projects but all in all I feel very lucky to work with you Trevor and yeah. we have a likewise great, and hopefully we'll just get to keep, keep doing going. Yeah. fun work I think that's yeah. what you have to do is just try to keep things going and you know keep working on the things that are inspiring and trying new things yeah